Hello and welcome to another episode of the CBO Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Donna Sheely. Happy to have you join us again. Today, we are talking with Lisa Rolney. She is the Senior Vice President for Business Affairs and Chief Financial Officer for the University of Arizona. Hello, Lisa. So glad you could join us today. Hello, Donna. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be here. Yes, we are excited. Well, Lisa, I know you've been super busy, so (laughs) talk to us a little bit about some of the things that have been going on uh, this year at the University of Arizona. We have a lot going on. Uh, First, (laughs) I'll say that I am a very proud Wildcat. Uh, I have been here for over 20 years, and the institution continues to, uh, to impress me. Some of the things that I'm really excited about this year are the the fact that we've gotten back to more normal business operations uh, after the pandemic. Uh, when I walked across campus this afternoon, the sidewalks were full of people. Our robotic coolers were delivering food to uh, people all over campus. Uh, the energy is infectious. It just feels so good to be here. Some of the things that we're we're working on that that. I'm excited about is really thinking about what does the uh, the campus look like post pandemic. I'm really thinking about the, the physical space when I when I say that. Uh, how do we optimally utilize our space in this post pandemic environment? You know, we have hybrid and remote work. Uh, I'm I've been working with our planning, design, and construction team. And our space committee, our executive leaders to really create uh, flexible, I'll call them future-proof workspaces. So when I talk to the senior vice president for research, I'm wondering, what's the future of research? Uh, how do our buildings need to shift uh, the space inside them to be able to adapt to the next project? When I talk with our academic affairs team, what's the future of learning? You know, what do collaborative classrooms need to look like now that we have both, you know, a kind of hybrid in-person and a virtual um, active learning environment? For offices, uh, you know, lots of people are working just a few days a week, so we don't have the traditional need for uh, regular offices, we need more of kind of hoteling spaces. So how, how do we accommodate that in a place that's been very fixed uh, for over a hundred years? And then thinking about healthy buildings, working with our College of Architecture, Planning and Landscape Architecture and our College of Medicine to think about the built environment and how um, the, the, the built environment affects the people who work or learn inside uh, those spaces and, and finally, really thinking about sustainability, because our buildings and infrastructure are key to achieving our climate neutrality goals. Uh, if we don't address deferred maintenance along with building new buildings that are, are more sustainable, uh, we will not make those goals. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot going on. Well, first of all, I want to go back. We're going to kind of talk, touch on some of those things that you just mentioned, because some of those are very, very um, important. I want you to share more. But let's go back to the beginning of you starting there or even before there. Actually, I want you to tell us your your journey, what led you to the University of Arizona, and then talk to us about the steps that led you to where you are right now. 
like many people, my career path has not looked like a ladder. It's more like a jungle gym. Uh, I think people would be surprised to know that I was a speech pathology major uh, as an undergrad at James Madison University. And I realized my senior year that um, speech pathology was probably not the field that uh, I would enter. So I took a job at a nonprofit organization in Washington, D.C., and uh, quickly mastered the responsibilities that I was first assigned and asked the executive director for uh, some more work. I said, I don't need more pay, but I I really am interested in growing um, professionally. And she said, well, Lisa, we just lost our accountant and you're good at math. Would you like to help out with projects? And I said, Okay, <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm sure that you know this. There'll be a big learning curve here, but I'm excited about the opportunity. And Donna, that really changed the trajectory of the the rest of my career. Uh, I loved the work that I did, and I went back to school and studied accounting. My next job uh, in DC was as an accountant, and uh, then for American Heart Association as a, a finance manager in Phoenix, and. When I was uh, at the American Heart Association, I was really focused on the sponsor side of research administration. So a a position opened at the University of Arizona for an accountant uh, that was focused on the other side of research administration. And I I stepped into that role um, in July of 2001. And I've been on campus since then. Um, I've had many positions um, at the university that my first position was with a very large research division, uh, and I was extremely excited about the work that I got to see uh, that our our faculty members were um, were focused on in their projects. I moved from there to be the assistant dean for finance and administration at the College of Education, and then that same position in the College of Engineering, two very different colleges, and uh, one very uh, research-focused and one more instructionally focused. I got an MBA along the way, uh, moved to be the vice president for financial services, and then uh, more than four years ago, stepped into this role. Uh, And I would say that my path is a little bit different than many CBOs, even in higher ed, because I came up through the academic side and the research side rather than on the support unit and, and finance side. And I think that really has helped me um, have an understanding of our tripartite mission for instruction, research, and service, because I've, I've uh, been able to experience those things firsthand. Yeah, I was going to say that probably definitely has been an advantage for you because you've been on both sides of that. So that's great. Talk to us a little bit about some of the advantages of being there for so long. You've been there for 20 plus years. And so that's that's something that you don't hear of quite often as well. So talk to us about how you have enjoyed and some of the things that you consider an advantage of being at the University of Arizona for so long. Number one is the relationships that, that I've been able to cultivate uh, over the last two, two decades. Uh, I am very grateful that uh, there are still a number of uh, people here who were here when I uh, entered the university, and there have been a lot of changing faces as well. Uh, one of the first people that I met was uh, um, the department head of, of uh, neurobiology, 
And I'll say from the first day, he treated me as a peer uh, rather than, uh, you know, sometimes I think that there may be a, a difficult relationship with, with faculty and staff, but my first experience was with someone who, who brought me in, you know, wanted, uh, the finance professional in the room. I was allowed to sit at the table with faculty members. So I, I am very grateful that that was my first experience. And, and I have found that my colleagues at the university are incredibly generous with information. Uh, and I have tried to uh, to pay that forward. I have wonderful relationships with with all of our executive team members, but with our whole finance community, uh, I think that that's something that's an advantage for me, having grown up here and uh, and been on the college side, on the research side. I have much deeper relationships with the finance professionals on campus than someone who might have stepped into this role from another organization. Uh, I have a, a meeting uh, on a regular basis that we call Financing the Mission, where we bring all the finance professionals who are able uh, together, and it, it's really a community. Uh, and I, I get so excited when I get to uh, together with that group because it really feels like uh, my people. That's great. That is really, really good. So tell us a little bit about the um, population. If people are not familiar uh, with the University of Arizona, your demographic and, and, you know, the total population, and then we'll get more into your specific role, what you're doing there. Uh, we have uh, 50, 000, around 50,000 students. Uh, uh, just another 40,000 students are uh, immersion students. They're, they're on, on campus here in Tucson or in Phoenix or in Sierra Vista, Gilbert or Chandler, and in different locations uh, across the state. Our main campus is here in Tucson, and then uh, about 10,000 students are, are online. Uh, we have about 16,000 employees. 3,000 of whom are in business affairs. Uh, and uh, business affairs is really kind of the, the heartbeat. I think it's the heartbeat uh, of the institution. <laughs> Very proud uh, of our team. So talk to us about every, not, well, I know you have a lot under your umbrella, but the, the main things that you have under your umbrella. My title, as you said, was Senior Vice President for Business Affairs and CFO. And I think when people who are not in higher ed hear that, they only hear CFO. Right. Yes. The, we have the uh, traditional finance functions uh, within business affairs, office of budget and planning, financial services, internal audit. But like many CBOs in higher ed, the portfolio is, is much larger. We have uh, sustainability, bookstores, parking and transportation, police, planning, design and construction, facilities management, uh, really an, an amazing, diverse group of individuals who are supporting our mission on a daily basis. Talk to me a little bit about your mentorship. Um, since you've been at the University of Arizona for so long, have you had one or two consistent mentors there or are your mentors outside of the university? Talk to me a little bit about that. I've been lucky to have mentors both on campus and off campus. And I, I think that I've been incredibly fortunate to have um, some supervisors who have served as mentors throughout my career. I'm not sure they signed up uh, for that, but <laughs> it turned out that way. Uh, and one in particular who I, I really will hold in my heart as someone who helped me see uh, my 
abilities in a way that I, I might not have seen before. The Dean of College of Engineering, Jeff Goldberg, uh, he has actually retired from the institution. But one of the things that Jeff asked me in my first interview was, what's the next job lease? And, and he wasn't asking me that because he wanted to know when I was going to leave. He, he wanted to know where I'm headed and every annual review and, you know, in, even in between, it would be again, what's the next job lease? What are you not doing now that, uh, you, you want to be doing in order to help set you up for success in that next position? And I'll tell you, Donna, that really, uh, I have, taken that to heart and have used that in every conversation uh, with my direct reports and my mentees uh, since then. I feel like that was one of the the biggest gifts that I've received in my career because it really pushed me to continuously think about where I'm heading. Dr. Goldberg also is a voracious reader and constantly pushed our leadership team to uh, to read books together to read articles together and uh, that that plays to to my strength so I, I continue that work and I, I think of him often when I I pick up a, a great book and I, I try to share that same uh, spirit with my mentees as well well talk to me about one of the biggest challenges that you've had as a CBO and how did you handle that Oh, the dreaded question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say that uh, I'm, I'm constantly learning. Um, and I think that um, I'm always looking for constructive criticism. So uh, it, when I thought about this um, before we got together, the project that comes to mind for me is a, a planning uh, system implementation I was part of an institutional project to bring a new planning tool to campus uh, when I was in the College of Engineering. And I'll tell you the bottom line on top, my uh, business communications professors always um, told us to focus on the (laughs) bottom line on top. We thought we, the the institution thought we knew ourselves more, more, knew more about ourselves than we actually did when we entered this project. So what I mean by that is that when we started working with our implementation partner, we quickly realized that we had not done enough preparation in advance of of working with these consultants. Um, what that meant was that we, we, we thought we were going to create something that was like a system with a, a ton of tentacles and we were trying to simplify the planning process and this was going to end up looking like a snowflake. Uh, so what we did actually was stopped the project and we, we w- apologized to the consultants uh, and we stepped back and really took the time to learn about ourselves. And I re- remember so clearly a meeting where uh, a number of, of, of financial officers, myself included, walked through the, the planning spreadsheets that we were using, that we were hoping to stop using with this new plan or to be replaced by this new planning tool. When one of my colleagues was presenting her solution, I, I started laughing. I said, I need to bring mine up and show it to you. And we literally had made almost the exact same spreadsheet and I, walking into the project, we felt like we both needed unique instances for this project. And what we realized is that we were far more alike than we anticipated. We were actually getting to the same end goal by using uh, different tools. So uh, what that process 
enabled us to restart with a new implementation partner. The project time took longer than we originally anticipated, but we had a much better result. And I'll tell you that lesson learned carries forward today that we must be prepared for projects. And we are in the the early stages of replacing our financial system right now. And we have been, uh, we've received compliments from our implementation partner about how prepared we are. They actually have said they, they have not experienced uh, an institution who is as prepared for this process. So I'm grateful that uh, we had that, that misstep <laughs> with this project because it, it taught the whole team uh, what we needed to be uh, in order to be prepared for success. And you learned and, and you grew from that. So mm-hmm. that's a great, that's a great example. So talk to me about what you think are some of the biggest challenges facing higher ed today. I think that all of us um, are seeing inflation. We're, we're seeing that in our personal lives and our professional lives and um, it, in in some of our states for public ed- education, we're seeing uh, a lack of investment or a lack of investment at the rate that we need in order to keep up with inflation. And what that means is uh, that we have thinner margins. And we at the same time, we're facing a competition for students and a competition for a talented workforce. So uh, what that with all of those things, those challenges at the same time, I think we have to focus on financial sustainability. Um, and that, that's one of the things that I think for University of Arizona was a, a, a bit of a silver lining from the pandemic. We created a financial sustainability uh, emergency response task force, which was made up of multiple working groups that looked at different types of work mostly focused on operational efficiencies. And and that work continues today. We no longer call it the Emergency Response Task Force because financial sustainability is something that we'll need for forever and perpetuity. Uh, so I, I think that what we, we've learned is that we, we, more than ever, we have to have a focus on efficient operations and uh, innovation. We, we need to pivot more quickly. You know, we were forced to pivot much more quickly in the pandemic than than any of our institutions probably had in the past to go all online. And we need to do that now on a, on a regular basis. We also need to respond rapidly to signals that we see in the market. And that's not something that our institutions um, ha- have done very well in the past that uh, we'd like to kind of keep up with or even beat the curve. Yeah, no, that's really good. What is one piece of advice that you would have for other current CBOs? When I talked about my people, my finance people, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that all of us need to have to find our people. Uh, I feel very fortunate that I have built relationships not only here at the University of Arizona, but uh, across the country through professional organizations like NACUBO, the PAC-12, AAU, Rocky Mountain Business Officers. Uh, I know that I can pick up the phone and and call my colleagues. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I, I may be embarrassed to say that I, I'm dealing with a particular uh, issue, but I, I would say try to put the pride aside 
and, and pick up the phone because I think that you'll find that our colleagues in this field are, are incredibly generous and are, are willing to help and often will share even more than you anticipate if you just um, open the door. That's great. That's good. So, Lisa, what is your f- future looking like in higher ed? If you ask me, uh, like one of my direct reports did just yesterday, what my I want my legacy to be, it's really important to me to try to help make those around me stronger. Uh, I, I really want to help empower my team uh, to take risks by giving them the support and the cover that they need to feel safe um, to to work on projects that, that might feel scary, but know that uh, they have someone in their corner um, to, to talk to, to be a resource uh, for. And if there's a, a bumble that there, there won't be any harsh criticism that, that I will help them um, pick up the pieces. And I, I, I try to share my own mistakes with my team so that they know that it, I'm not infallible and it, it's okay. We'll, we'll recover from it. I really um, try to push my team for personal and uh, professional growth. And uh, I really hope that anyone I work with, whether they're in my direct line of supervision or or just somewhere on campus, uh, w- would say that uh, I-, I helped their their career. It sounds like it's a passion of yours to to do that, and I can hear that in your voice. Um, is are there any final thoughts, Lisa, or do you want to further talk about your what you're currently passionate about, or even? Um, delve into that a little bit more. I hear, I'm really hearing (laughs) that you, the relationship part piece for you is very big. And I think that's important for people to understand. So you're not just in your own little office in your own little box that, that it's so important to reach out and to build those relationships. So any final thoughts? I think that uh, taking care of ourselves is really important too. building relationships with other people, uh, certainly, but, you know, I've seen us grinding for the last three years. Um, and, and what I've, I have noticed is that we have been asked to be resilient over and over and over again. So it, it's really important uh, for all of us to build support systems, both at work and our personal life. I, I focus on when I leave here, when I leave work, how can I leave that in the office and not bring it home with me? You know, the, this is almost a seven day a week job. But uh, we have to protect some time uh, for ourselves, you know, thinking about how we get up each morning and, and prep, uh, making sure that there's uh, some healthy routines, whatever those are for each individual, and certainly some fun. I, I think, you know, it's, it's impossible for any CBO to remove the challenges and the obstacles right now. There's, there's a lot that we're facing, but we can find some time um, to focus on fun and remind ourselves uh, about the mission of e- our institutions and, and just revel in the fact that, that we, uh, we get to support that. That's a great final thought. 
That is awesome. It's it's important. Self-care, you got to take care of yourself and you got to have a good balance. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you, Lisa. And thank you for joining us today for this episode of CBO Speaks. It's brought to you by the National Association of College and University Business Officers. You can find resources for today's episode as well as a wide variety of research and tools at nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks on Apple Podcasts so that you can get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Lisa Rolney from the University of Arizona, I want to thank you for joining us on CBO Speaks. I'm Donna Sheely. Be well. <music>